1: Hey guys, it's Alana and welcome back for another episode of Seeing Other People. Today's episode is actually so amazing that I wanna keep this intro very short, but I wanna call out one thing that I've noticed lately. So I started recording a lot of content on TikTok Shout out to follow at Alana.Dunn on TikTok. There's actually no seeing other people TikTok account. It's just at Alana.Dunn. And I started recording a lot of dating content about the dating quote unquote rules that I broke when I first met Jake you guys know that I'm a big like anti like I don't believe in rules because dating is not one size fits all and what works for you is not going to work for me what works for me because of my dating anxiety and what I've been through and the relationships I've been in the past is not going to work for you because we're different, and we have different experiences. And so I started making some videos about the dating rules that I broke. And the internet and the people of TikTok are freaking out commenting how happy they are to have to hear somebody saying that the rules aren't real that the rules should be broken. They're so happy to hear someone saying like, don't play games, it doesn't work. And what blows my mind is that I feel like all of the content that we see out there from other people and and other influencers and podcasters and people in the space are like, play hard to get. It works, like the chase works. And that's the frustrating part where We don't want to play games because we want to be ourselves, but we're being told to play games because people are like, well, unfortunately playing games and being hard to get and making someone chase after you works. And that's so frustrating. And I I don't believe that like real strong, healthy relationships can form if you're playing these games in the beginning. If you're not being yourself, if you're asking your friends, oh, what should I text this person or like, okay, like they waited 20 minutes. Like, should I respond immediately or should I like wait 30 minutes or, oh, like I didn't hear from them all day. Like, should I be like cold and just like not send a warm message back because like they left me feeling anxious all day. And it's so frustrating that that's what people do, even though they know that they should just be themselves. But then again, maybe people don't know because there's so many mixed messages out there. Anywho, my point being like any dating rule that you think exists, anything that you think you're supposed to do in dating or supposed to not do, like don't double text. Don't, if you're a girl, like don't ask for, the date don't ask them out on the second date like no screw that do what you want be yourself do what feels right for you obviously pick up on social cues but do what feels genuine to who you are and and follow your gut follow your intuition and that is how you're going to end up with somebody who's right for you because the way you date the right person is going to like stick through that and be there for you and, and want to be with you for who you are and for how you text, not for how everyone of your friends in your group chat texts. Anywho, I said I was going to keep this intro short. On that note, today's episode is absolutely incredible. Listen until the end. Some of my favorite parts are actually at the end. We have the fabulous, brilliant, amazing shrink chicks women on seeing other people today. Emily Beerley and Jennifer Chaikin are licensed marriage family therapists, and they are owners and co-founders of The Therapy Group, which is really all about making therapy and therapeutic topics more relatable and more accessible. They are amazing. They are so inspiring. I've learned so much from them, from their show, from their content. Definitely follow them on Instagram, listen to their podcast. And I am just so excited for you guys to take a listen to this. Don't forget... If you have a friend who you think would benefit from hearing this episode or any other episode of Seeing Other People, please send it to them. If you love this episode, post it on your Instagram story, tag Seeing Other People, tag Shrink Chicks, tag Alana Dunn. And if you have not yet given Seeing Other People a five-star rating and review, please do that. Don't forget, we have the emotional support, human and dating app profile revamp one-on-one sessions available. You can head to the link in the Seeing Other People Instagram bio to find all of those links to schedule those. And I hope you love it. We are leveling up. We're figuring out our dating lives. We're learning how to take better care of ourselves. We're cooking healthy meals instead of ordering takeout every night. And we're being more cognizant of what goes into our bodies. Now, you know I have you covered with the dating part. And Caraway Home has you covered with the rest. It's time to ditch the chemicals with Caraway Home's non-toxic cookware and bakeware collections so you can make healthier cooking a piece of cake. Caraway Home's non toxic kitchenwares are all designed for the modern home and feature a chemical free ceramic coating, so food can be prepared with peace of mind that no hard to pronounce compounds will leach into your healthy ingredients. I've been using Caraway's saute pan. I got it in gray, and it is without a doubt the trendiest and cutest thing in my apartment. And the best part about it is that when I cook, Nothing sticks to it it makes for the best experience and makes cooking so much more enjoyable How great it is to use and knowing that it's non-toxic and eco-friendly has led me to cook so much more So i'm actually saving money and eating healthier and I feel great You know whether it's for myself when a friend comes over to tell me every detail of their date from the night before Or for a cozy date night in my caraway cookware has been stepping up my game and helping me stay healthy in every way all of their cookware and bakeware products also make amazing wedding gifts or engagement gifts, and I know you guys have those coming up, so you can check your gift search off the list. Visit CarawayHome.com slash seeing other people to take advantage of a limited time offer for 10% off your next purchase. This deal is exclusive for seeing other people's listeners. Visit CarawayHome.com slash seeing other people or use code seeing other people at checkout. Caraway. Non-toxic cookware made modern we are here with emily and jennifer from shrink chicks welcome
2: we are thrilled to be here thank you for having us so excited we just said there was a delay we had to reschedule once so we have been looking forward to this for forever we are thrilled thank you for having us on
1: I'm so excited. Okay. So first of all, I already explained this in the intro, but everyone listening, if you have not followed shrink chicks, if you have not listened to their podcast, if you have not learned every single thing you can from them, please go do that. Like go pause this episode, like go listen to (laughs) some of theirs, save it and then come back because they are amazing. Like you guys, I'm so excited to have you here. And I know this is an episode that a lot of people have asked for because we talk all about everything related to dating and relationships here. And Something that people don't really get to talk about that much or learn about is toxic relationships and what happens when you get into one. I think one of the hardest things is like people don't feel like they can talk about what they've been through or what they're going through. People feel embarrassed. People feel afraid. Sometimes people don't even realize that they're in it until they get out of it. Yeah. And so I have a lot of questions about toxic relationships and Where I want to kind of start is how can you realize if you're in a relationship that's having a negative impact on your mental health? Because, you know, sometimes we have those rose-colored glasses. We think everything's fine. Like We justify, like, no, this person's making my life so much better. And so sometimes we're really blind to it.
2: One of the things, we were just talking about this the other day, is that there can be, especially if the home that we grew up in did not model healthy relationships and healthy communication, we can have a loyalty to dysfunction. So one of the problems I think a lot of people enter is that they get into a toxic relationship or an unhealthy or dysfunctional relationship and it feels like home. It feels like what I was around growing up. So, this isn't that weird. So, then I think you, you, I love that you said the word embarrassed because I think that that's a big thing. Cause then I all of a sudden I start telling my friends, I like, should go up, I go to brunch, I'm telling my friends, and they're like, whoa, those are like all these red flags. And then, like, there's this embarrassment of like, oh, look at the stuff I missed. But for a lot of us, it's hard to miss it because it's familiar and it actually feels like home and feels comfortable. And that's when it can be very complicated to see. And
0: sometimes, too, toxic relationships, um, we can be isolated from our friends and family. And so on top of the fact that it can be embarrassing, we also, um, especially if there's some sort of emotional abuse, um, they can sometimes isolate us from others. And so we don't have... As much of the ability to do that reality testing with our friends and family, because we don't have those outside sources. Um, but just as Emily's saying, if it feels comfortable for you, if you came from dysfunction, then it's going to be harder to recognize because our psyche likes to be comfortable. And if we're in a situation that feels comfortable for us, even though it's not healthy, it's going to be harder to spot.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, there's so much we have to learn and that we do learn and we take away from the relationships that we see growing up. But yeah, you identified the exact problems that so many people aren't looking up to the relationships that they see. They don't have any actual like relationship role models or relationships they admire in their lives. And so when they do get into those bad situations, they don't realize it. Well, toxicity can look like passion right like and we had
2: that's what's modeled for us in movies right like you know what i mean like oh look at this like passionate like excessive, jealous like that's actually really not healthy not good
0: like if you think about the notebook for example right yeah he waited he built her a whole house (laughs) she was engaged to someone else and waited boundaries. for her, right? It's bad boundaries, and and we we look at that and we're like, oh my god, they're so in love, right? They like died together in each other's arms when they're older, but like those are the messages that we got from the media mm-hmm. of like this is a beautiful relationship. Like, no. He waited for years while she was in another relationship and built her a
2: whole house. Like, that's a little obsessive. Well, and it also, it tells us, and I feel like we get this messaging, that healthy, stable relationships are boring. Right, yeah. Like, they bore me, and, and they're unattractive, and then I get bored of them. And then all of a sudden, I'm back when they had this idea of like, oh, there's like this attraction to bad boys. There is a thing that we have put toxicity and passion together. And these two things, we want to encourage you to find passion There's so many ways to have passion in your life that doesn't have to be in your romantic relationship and toxicity
1: a hundred percent. And I love how you said bad boys, because that's exactly it. It's like, we go on dates with nice people who like seem kind of less interesting than the really toxic people. And mm-hmm. we're like, Oh no, like he was like too boring or like, yeah, like they're just too nice. And we're missing out on all of these like really great, healthy people because yes. we don't feel that stress and anxiety. And like, Oh my God, like I need to chase after this person and like convince them to love me and then deal with all these ups and downs.
0: And there's something psychological about that, too. We call it pursuer distancer in relationships, where if someone is distancing from us, we feel this need to pursue them, right? And so to know that that's not necessarily healthy either, right? When someone's pursuing you, also, if someone else is pursuing you, we have this automatic response of like, ooh, do I distance from this, right? Where it's great that if if you have an attraction towards someone and they're pursuing you, that that's something positive, right? That there's something to be said about someone else liking you right that it's not all about the chase and I think the chase has become so exciting and romanticized
1: in a lot of ways that that gets very confusing for us 100 so what would you say are some questions you could maybe ask yourself if to check in like is this dating situation healthy or the relationship that I'm in like I think it's good but if I take a step back like is it really like how can you check in with yourself and recognize like yes green light this is healthier like Like, okay, like, slow down, there might be some questionable things here, like, red, full stop, like, this is bad. (laughs) Okay,
2: so one of the things I start with recommending you look for is how do I feel and what is being communicated here, right? If I always feel confused, that's a red flag for me. If the answer right there is that really good quote is like, if you don't know, the answer is no. Totally. Well, there you go. Right. And so part of that is that we are as human beings, incredibly attracted to intermittent reinforcement. So if somebody gives me attention on a Tuesday, and then they ignore me until the next Wednesday, for some reason, no, I mind that's hot as fuck. Right? They're like for something about that, that's like really exciting. And that's the intermittent reinforcement. It also is is what causes us to lose our goddamn minds. I hate it so much. It's so horrible, right? Right. It's the thing we say, and that's what we always say to women. Anytime you're called crazy, I always say, well, were you with a crazy maker? Mm -hmm. Because there's something, right? So if I am constantly um, overthinking, I don't know what's happening, I'm not getting clear communication, those are all signs that maybe you are missing a larger thing that's being said or not being said. And we're right. Sometimes we want a situation to turn out the way it is, but it isn't like that. It's not real. And I think
0: also, too, can you still be yourself in the context of this relationship? Can you stay grounded? Can you continue to do the things that? Uh, felt right for you outside of the relationship? Or are you having to change them and sacrifice them for the other person's Mm -hmm. needs? Right? So if you know, you spend a lot of time with certain friends, and then I think it's natural in a lot of ways when you get in a relationship that that shifts a bit. But are you as I said earlier, being isolated from friends being isolated from families? Are you not able to maintain the same activities that once made you happy outside of the relationship? Yeah. And on top of that, too, I think something to look at is, are are there any like psychological signs that are coming up for you that maybe weren't present? Otherwise, right? Like, are you starting to have panic attacks about other things? Are you mm-hmm. starting to get depressed at other times, right? Sometimes when We're in relationships where we're not able to express our feelings or we feel crazy, um, that that builds up on us if we don't feel like we have a space to be able to express it. And so you can find that. Or are there physical symptoms that might be be manifesting itself physically, right? Like, did I develop horrible headaches or something? Is something coming up that wasn't present before the relationship might also give you a signal?
1: Yeah, I'm really glad you pointed that out because I know for me, the first like I was in a really, really toxic relationship that was filled with like manipulation, lying, cheating, like all the whole menu of, of things that we, we don't want. (laughs) Um, and I had never experienced anxiety, depression. Like I, my friends would tell me how anxious they were and they were so depressed and stuff. And like, they like, Like actually, yes, like clinically they were. And I just like, I was like, oh, like that sucks. Like, but I couldn't, I really didn't get it. You know, I had never actually felt what it was like to feel so anxious, to feel like I couldn't get up and go to work or like I couldn't eat, couldn't sleep. And it's tough because I think the biggest problem for me is that I knew that I was feeling different. I knew that I wasn't feeling okay, but I, no part of me wanted to believe it was because of him. Mm. I wanted to make up every excuse in the world and almost like justify the way that he was treating me because of how badly I wanted to be with him because of some of the things you brought up before, like the push and pull thing. And, and when someone's pulling away, like you want to like grab on like even tighter. And it was really tough because I knew I felt different. I knew I wasn't OK, but I couldn't say like, yes, it's because of him.
2: Well, the issue about saying it is then I have to do something about it, right? If I admit it to myself, then what do I do with this? And so it is, it's one of these things where like, if I can be within denial of myself, then I can also deny it to the outside world and saying it out loud sometimes is too real. And we, right, there's a saying that like, sometimes change only happens when you get sick of your own shit. Right when you say, like, I actually cannot live like this, sometimes when it's not that bad, right? Like, oh, he doesn't meet all my needs, that's normal, right? Like, it's very easy to make excuses and talk yourself in or out of something at the beginning. And then you hit a point where you're like, yeah, because you're too much now. and, And because
0: your body is reacting to it, right? Like, even if you're not acknowledging it yourself, you develop symptoms around it. Like, your body is going to respond to something that's not working for you like having horrible anxiety and not being able to eat and not being able to and separating yourself, like it's all going to manifest itself. And if in different ways, even if you're not able to acknowledge it to yourself in the present,
1: scientifically, like how and why does that actually happen? Like why is what's going on in my brain? And like how I'm feeling about a guy not texting me back, going to actually impact like my bodily functions and needs and (laughs) desires?
0: It's, it's a good question because I think, I mean, just in general, when we hold our feelings in, right, or when we blame ourselves for things, that uh, stress hormone cortisol builds up in our body, right? And so it affects every different organ, every different function. And so, but the problem is, is that we, we're not having an outlet for it. We're not able to complete the stress response cycle. There's no way to be able to do that when we're not acknowledging what's happening in the present. And so... It affects every part of us and it affects everyone differently. So, for some people, it might be through having panic attacks. For other people, it might be um, depression. Other people, it might be not being able to eat. It might be so. It really depends on the person. But I think that, you know, we're therapists too. So, obviously, we're going to talk about how important it is to be able to speak your truth and for your insides to very much match your outside and when there's a discrepancy in that it it builds on us and it really builds on us physically and it builds on us mentally
1: yeah it's it's so crazy how that happens and I mean I think we've all we all either have experienced it or at some point will experience it and I think like you said like you're you're holding your emotions up and and being able to talk about them and start communicating about them I think is the best thing we can learn to do for ourselves. And I cannot believe I'm saying this right now, but everybody get ready to clap your hands for me because I am two months in to a skincare routine, which I've never been able to say in my life. I've never gone more than two days with a skincare routine. I feel like I should be getting an award for sticking to it for so long but I guess the reward is in itself that my skin is looking healthier than ever and it actually survived the brutal New York winter where normally it is a mess and really dry and peeling and didn't have any of that all of this is thanks to Curology. Curology is the game-changing custom skincare made for you by a dermatology provider. They create a custom prescription cream for your specific goals whether that's tackling acne, clogged pores, skin texture, dark spots, fine lines, or something else. You start by Taking a short online skin quiz and uploading photos, and if it's a good fit, they'll ship out your formula right to your door. It even has your name on the bottle. It's the best. The ease of this process has probably been the best part, and what has helped me actually stick with it. The products come in a cute little box every month, and it's not just a custom formula. They send you everything that you need based on your answers in the skin quiz. So, I get a makeup remover, a cleanser, a moisturizer, and I even got a lip balm and. Emergency spot patches, because we always need those on hand. Get started with Curology just like I did with a free 30-day trial at Curology.com slash seeing other people. Just pay $5 for shipping and handling. That's curolog com slash seeing other people to start your free 30-day trial. Cancel any time. Prescription subject to consultation.
2: Listen, there's an interesting part also, if you look at like oxytocin and the way that it moves up to your amygdala. Right. So one of the things that's happening when you like if we take your relationship from before, right, like something where there was this intermittent reinforcement and there's cheating. Let's take cheating. Right. If I've experienced cheating or I've experienced lying in my relationship, I am not getting the attachment and the security to release that oxytocin to go to my amygdala. And when it doesn't do that, what that amygdala's job to do is to look for any potential signs of danger. So I always explain it that it's like your amygdala turns into a lighthouse. And it's scanning for something. And guess what? If I'm scanning, I'm going to find something, right? Like if I have a feeling you're doing something, if I don't trust you, I can actually find something. And maybe it's not anything that big of a deal. It's liking someone else's Instagram picture. But in my head, that's when the stories start. And it's actually done out of self-protection, but it's incredibly detrimental to ourselves and to our relationships, even though our brain is supposed, it's doing its exact job of taking care of us.
1: It Yeah, I love that point. Because I I mean, I was doing exactly that, you know, I was looking to see even and this was at the time where you could see what someone was liking on Instagram. So there was that. Mm-hmm. But then I was also going one step further to see who he started following or who was liking his pictures that wasn't liking his pictures before. And like, I, I knew it was happening. I knew it was happening, but I still didn't do anything about it. And I think like I look back and obviously I've learned so much from the situation in hindsight, but it it just it makes me feel for anyone who's going through something similar where they know, like they have started to realize like, okay, something's not right here. But mm-hmm. I feel like we get into our own heads with that. And again, like, like you said, like we start creating a story. And, and I think for a lot of people, that story is like, well, like this is how I deserve to be treated or like this person, like they say they love me. So they do love me. I like me, but maybe I'm just like not enough for them. And that's such another layer of like, of what makes it so difficult and what makes it like, okay, well, this is it. So like he can, he's going to do this. I'm going to let him get away with it. I'm going to be upset about it, but like, I'm not going to help myself. So it's like, we are trying to protect ourselves by like scanning and looking for these things, but then we don't do anything about it.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. And I think the 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 thing that happens is that we tend to more so start believing people's words rather than looking at their actions. And it's very clear a lot of the times that, people's actions aren't necessarily matching what they're saying to you, right? They're saying I love you, but they're cheating on you. Or they're saying they care about you, but they're not texting or calling you back or validating any emotion that you have. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's there's a huge discrepancy in what someone is saying and their actions. And that's something to look at. And I think it's it's so easy to make excuses for people in those times when they're saying something like, oh, they love me like, oh, they wouldn't do this to me. But when their actions aren't matching that, that is something to pay attention to.
1: Yeah. Did you watch the Tinder Swindler? Yes. yes. Let's talk about it. Oh, um, my God. Okay. <laughs> I finished it last night. Let's talk about it.
2: Oh, my God. Okay. So what he did is what we call grooming, where, where someone is going to be abusive. And in this situation, we're talking about someone who's financially and emotionally abusive, right? But with the, the beforehand, the taking her on the helicopters, the lavish gifts, the stays, that's grooming that's how i get you in and here's the thing it's also what they do in cults it's what you call a cultic relationship right and the thing is they're so good at it so i think it's really easy for us to pass judgment and that's one of the things they talked about in the thing was that like everyone's like well that would never happen to me and sure maybe it wouldn't i guess it's nice to sit in our moral elitism but the other part is it actually can happen to anyone right. because that grooming these people are so goddamn good at it it can suck even the healthiest person in How do they figure that out?
1: I mean, obviously it takes a very special kind of person to do that. Yes. But it's, I mean, it's crazy. Even though the last woman who spoke, she was, they had been dating for 14 months and she admitted, she's like reading back the text while she's on this flight. Guys, if you haven't seen it, like, I don't care. We're spoiling things like you have to go watch it and these aren't going to actually ruin it for you. Yes. yeah. But she's like, she's realizing while she's on airplane mode on this flight, like, oh my God, like he's, he's spent a year getting me to fall in love with him. Yes. Yeah, i it's
0: a long con. It it's is a wheel. long con. I mean, that guy was in it. Yes, he was really in it. But I have to say, heard that last one at was the, the end. Best one. She was the best one. She sold all of his shit.
2: I, that <laughs> was amazing. <laughs> amazing. That was, the, was, the, really that was the best part when she was like, right? "Look, there's another sale." Yeah, and so that's the thing, right? And here's the thing: he was scripting it, so it was actually all the same, even to the one yeah. that wasn't a romantic relationship because it's like, this is my con and this works. So like most people are one trick ponies, same with cults, right? They have like one thing they pull you in and that's and, what works and that's and good. Works, and they're gonna right. replay it over and over again. So once you see it once, it's very, very easy to see. But when you see it in one individual instance, it's actually quite hard to tell. Not to mention these girls, right? Google said it. Right. So the thing is, she says it like, well, I Googled every person you Google, everyone you go on a date with, and that's true except for that it actually is easy to put up shit on the internet.
1: Yeah. Okay, wait. So question. Let's say yes. the the let's say the Tinder sli- swindler was Tinder yeah. swindling and <laughs> this documentary the documentary which I think he still is I, by I, th- the way. He's I'm so I'm sure sure he sure he's and yeah. the Israeli model is like what? Like right. how? How? My boy yeah. anywho um, In any case. Okay, so let's say this is all happening, whatever, or somebody is, like cheated on someone then goes to date someone else and then cheats on them and then goes to date someone else and cheats on them. Or it, it's something that you don't know what's a pattern, but it happened to you. And they like, you break up, life goes on, whatever it is, they end up dating someone else. Do you tell them or not? And this is a question that people reach out to me, my listeners all the time. And they're like, yeah. like my ex cheated on me. And I know that he cheated on the person, like the girl before me, and he's dating someone new. And I don't know if I should tell her or not. Like what, Mm -hmm. how do you decide that?
2: It's such an ethical dilemma,
1: right? Do I stay
2: in my lane or do I advocate and speak truth, right? Mm -hmm. Here's the issue is that there's not one right answer, but there's a few things I would encourage people to look at to make that decision for themselves. One of those is what are you looking to get out of this? If I tell Mm -hmm. this to this other person and you're looking for her to give you a hug and thank you, that's an expectation that might slightly will not be met, right? Because you're catching someone off guard, right? And then how pissed am I, how pissed off am I going to be once this is not met with positivity and all of a sudden this person's hating me? Because that can happen, right? right? When you're a whistleblower, you're also in the line of fire.
0: And also to question how how far are you in your healing journey of it, right? That involved, sometimes yeah. sometimes it can be a reaction to that, right? Mm-hmm. Where if you haven't gotten uh, moved all the way through your healing and being cheated on or being hurt by this person where you're wanting to band together with someone else, or you're wanting, it's, it's a reaction coming from the pain that you're still in. That can be another piece. You can almost re-traumatize yourself in a lot of ways if you're pulling yourself back into it. So it's another question to ask yourself of how far are you in the healing journey in this?
1: Yeah. I think that's really smart. And and yeah, like you said, Emily, like it's, there's no right answer. And that's why I think like figure out exactly what you said, figure out why, like, what is your goal? Is it really, if it's really truly like, because you don't want him to do this to somebody or her or them, whoever it is to do this to somebody else, then then that's then that's your answer like that's a real mm-hmm. true reason like you're genuinely caring you want to look out for someone and I think if it's but if in- you're trying to punish the
2: person if right. uh, this is my way of getting Smart. back right. at them that's a reaction if it's anything else
1: no. <laughs> right. no okay nope right um yeah I've thought about that actually for years so <laughs> through, through well, from like one point of my healing journey to the yeah. like dead opposite
2: <laughs> And I think it is, it's true, right? Especially like in this day and age, there's there's a lot of ongoing conversations, even in parasocial relationships of like, do we tell people, do we call people out on something or call them into a conversation, right? How do we judge in what's accountability? How are we saying like, hey, just so you know, that was really problematic, that thing that you said, right? Like, and I think that there's a big encouragement we have right now, which I don't think is a bad thing. So I think it's really awesome for us to hold each other accountable and call out problematic shit. But what is getting involved and staying in your own lane and right and like what is like doing this for greater good. And
0: something to think about too is that some people aren't ready to see the truth yeah. in their relationships. And, you know, just as therapists, we experience that a lot where, you know, people have to be in the place where they're ready to look at it and they're ready to see that. And sometimes it doesn't matter what anyone else says to them, where They almost have to go through it themselves. And I think it's important to bring to their, you know, if it's a friend or it's important to bring to their attention, but be supportive. Um, But I do, I do think sometimes people have to be in the place. It's like when you are in a, in a relationship in which you're struggling, sometimes if people are coming to you saying this relationship sucks, like, what are you doing? Sometimes you're not in the place to be able to be open enough to hear that. And you kind of have to go through it yourself. Okay, wait, so
2: then can we ask if somebody had reached out to you
0: and while, was, you, like, were in that while you
2: were in that relationship and said, oh, want to give you a heads up, this happened. Like, how do you think you would have taken it? I know it's impossible, but like, imagine that.
1: Oh, God. Yeah. Here's the thing is all my friends were telling me like, Lana, like this is yeah. not a good situation. And I'm <laughs> yeah. like, and I was just like, okay, pushing you away, pushing right. you away. We're not right. going to hang out anymore. Like I'll talk to you next year. That's so, the thing is yeah. most people
2: already have. And people that's in their what happens. Them. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. So then in that case, which is probably true in many cases, what are some things that like you can look out for? So like, let's say like, there are obviously signs that like things that are obvious red flags, like hearing someone say like, Oh, like my ex is crazy. All my exes are crazy, yada, yada, yada. That usually, yeah. Like you said, I love the term crazy maker. Love that. Yes. (laughs) Going to use that all the time. you. What are some things to look out for red flags in terms of, and I want to first, I want to talk about two different categories. One is like verbal abuse and one is emotional abuse that like people might not realize is happening. Mm
2: -hmm. Okay. So one of the things we're, so we'll start with just the red flags, right? So one of those things is yeah, if they villainize everyone else they've ever been with probably a red flag, right? If they villainize most people in their life that gives them feedback, probably a red flag what is the relationships around them do they have relationships do they have people in their life that hold them accountable and give them feedback right we believe that everything happens within context right so what's happening around here i want to know can they not maintain jobs can they do they get in fights with their bosses Do they get in fights with co-workers right all of these might give you some information about how they handle relationships the The thing to look out for too, someone who is
0: j- truly narcissistic, um, they begin a relationship with love bombing. So what that is, is they'll go into a relationship and, you know, swoon over you and they will give you everything and they'll say how amazing you are. The Tinder swindler. The Tinder swindler, right? (laughs) Grooming, yeah. And so, so they're completely love bombing you. So that's why at the beginning, right, they'll, they'll give so much. And then once they pull you in, they will slowly take it away. And as you take it away, as they take it away, it pulls you closer and closer into them because you're like, what the hell? Like, why can't we go back to where this was? Mm-hmm. And so as you keep getting pulled into it, that's where they, they are able to lock you in very specifically.
1: At what point does it that usually switch? Like, when does that change? Because I know for um, a few of my friends and I, we had seen one of our friends in um, last year go through a situation where like. He was saying all of these things, doing all these big gestures, making her feel like the most special person in the world. And to her, obviously she felt amazing. And for all of us, that was a really big red flag. And we're like, we don't trust this guy. Like, of course she loves what he's telling her, but like, we don't think this is a good thing. And, and we brought that to her attention. She mm-hmm. obviously disagreed, but it's now been a really long time and that never actually switched. And like that truly, we think, is how he feels. So like, okay. how do you
2: tell? Well, I think one of the things is I would be interested then to look at, once again, the context of it. Does he do this in other relationships? Does he also have wonderful relationships? Does he have a relationship with his family? Is mm-hmm. this someone who is just like incredibly romantic and he also loves the notebook growing up? And he's obsessed <laughs> yeah, with these grand Yeah, right? He's like, build her house right? right? Yeah. He has, he has already built her house. Know. like any of these things, right? <laughs> yeah. So I would like be very interested in that. But I think the other thing that could happen... That we start to notice is that when there's love bombing, when there's this grooming, there is also a feeling of possession. Hmm. So you'll start to notice a switch when all of a sudden you do something that they do not think you should do because they feel possessive or entitled towards you who you are your relationships any of these like if, if you're going out with friends if you're meeting up with co or if you're doing something where they don't have control over it in some way mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. say no to sex if you make more money than them all of a sudden right these are all things they can like switch narcissists now a ton of people can have narcissistic traits and not have narcissistic personality disorder these are two very different things this term is used around a lot um and one of the things you could also really look for right is how small does this person make me feel they make me feel like the best person tippy tippy top of the mountain do i fall from that anytime we're put up on a pedestal that's a red flag for me because guess what if i'm on a pedestal i'm gonna fall and i'm gonna smack my ass somehow and so if anyone thinks that i'm human i don't want to be perfect i don't want to be put on a pedestal to you relationships are about relating together beautiful beautiful (laughs) right and anyone is higher than me or lower than me that's going to be a problem
1: yeah it's crazy because it's it's so hard because you're like oh like i'm i'm apparently so perfect like how great is that
0: and and that's it and that's another thing is that that's been so romanticized right like we want to feel that way we want to feel like the princess or like whatever you know we want to feel like someone is just dying over us but in reality that's not healthy yeah Right. And and so it's healthy to be able to communicate through things for us to have love, mutual love for one another. Um, But the pedestal is a big piece to look at. It just puts us gives us such a high at the beginning of relationships. So that's why it makes it hard to really see it or, or pull yourself out of it.
1: Totally. So if you do end up in a situation like this, like and you maybe realize what's wrong, like what should you do? Like, how do you pull yourself out of it? Because I'm hoping, so, I mean, I'm hoping that some people are listening to this and and can recognize maybe some negative behaviors that have been happening in their relationships.
2: So, so you brought up um, before, uh, right? So, there's physical abuse, verbal abuse, emotional, psychological oh. abuse, and then we have financial abuse. And there's like this can go on a large thing, right? Yeah. So, first, I would want to know is there abuse present in a situation? When there's abuse present in a situation, it becomes more complex about leaving. It's very easy to tell our friends, just leave him, he sucks. Wait a second, you don't know. And you don't know what sort of financial safety this person has with leaving, what their situation is. Have they ever felt like they could leave before? Do they have codependency? But there's so many factors that can go into this. So the number one thing I can say to you is I know it's easy to shit on our friends when they're dating assholes. But I would encourage you to look past that with compassionate curiosity and empathy of how do i best support someone because leaving an abusive or toxic relationship can sometimes not be as black and white as all right well we'll never talk again We're see done. you later right? right sometimes it is a slow
0: crawl out from the pit it usually takes people on average 9 times to leave an abusive relationship
1: if you have dating anxiety i have a very important message for you so listen up you know me, you've heard me talk about my dating anxiety on seeing other people. And at some point, I actually overcame it. I stopped being obsessive about checking my phone every five seconds to see if my date had texted me yet. I stopped overthinking and self-sabotaging and really creating stories in my head about what happened on the date when in reality, the date was great, and I was going to hear from them again. And the clear change happened when I started taking a CBD happy gummy before my date and a CBD calm gummy after my date. And these are all from mindset, wellness, CBD, mindset, wellness, literally changed my dating life. I totally think that they are the reason that I am in a relationship now that is healthy and I'm happy. And it really helped me calm myself down and get out of my head and be present on the date, be happy, be my best self on the date. And then after the date, not overthink, not go crazy and not drive myself insane thinking about all of these things that were out of my control that I was probably making up and that really had nothing to do with anything. So if you have dating anxiety and you haven't tried taking Mindset Wellness CBDs gummies before and after your date, trust me, they are a complete game changer. You have to try them. I have a 20% off code for you. If you go to mindsetwellness.com, use code seeing other people at checkout, that's 20% off and free shipping and get rid of your dating anxiety. So you have no excuse. You have to go do it. And I can't wait to hear how much it helps. I heard that um, when I watched the show Made, actually. Yes. I was like, damn. I love that show. Wow.
2: Exactly. Right. So when there's abuse present, it also, what these people have done when they put you up on the pedestal and then they put you down into that pit, they make you feel so small and incapable Many people don't feel like they can go anywhere, right? The other thing is this person's maybe been calling you crazy this whole time. Well, if I, if they have like beaten me into this pit and I'm crazy and I'm unstable and nobody likes me and I can't find anyone else again, how am I going to have the confidence to leave? Yeah. Right. And if you have no support at that point, if yeah. they've already isolated you from all of your friends, all of your family, and you've, or not even they have, but like you've been the one who cut them off. Like you right? said, like people were calling you out. So then you start ending relationships. You right. also have guilt and shame over doing that. It's hard to ask for help then.
0: Right. It's like sticking your tail between your legs and being like, you were right. Like this isn't working out so great. Cause I also think there's a fear too of, okay, if I, you know, if I leave and then want to go back everyone's going to look at me in this way like I think that that's a real fear too of there's still this contemplation of like is this the right thing to do when you've been in it for so long
1: yeah and what something that you guys said that stuck with me was like this person's telling you you're crazy like yeah so now I think I'm crazy and I think that like how would anybody else like I have this person I'm never going to find anyone else like if I'm crazy and this person knows how to deal with me so Mm -hmm. yeah it is really scary and it feels like even if you know it's something you have to do, it still can feel like there's so much that you're going to lose.
2: Yeah,
0: absolutely. Mm -hmm. It completely breaks down your self-esteem.
1: Yeah. Yeah, completely. Uh, Okay. So for anyone who is in a position that I was in, in, in my specific situation, what I ended up doing was like, I felt like I hit rock bottom, then I felt like I hit rock bottom again, then I felt like I hit rock bottom again. And then I was like, Okay, I need a therapist. (laughs) And But what I did, I and I don't know, I don't think this is like tech really the right way I should have gone about it. But in the moment, this is what I did. I like just googled like therapists in New York City. And I like emailed like 20 places. And then the first person to get back to me, I was like, Great, I'll see you on Tuesday, like the first person who could take me. And I think, yes, at first, maybe it it was the right decision. You know, I was going a few times a week. And I like, I desperately needed it. And I needed I I needed it. Um, But after a while, I think one of the things about therapy is you want to find a therapist that's really right for you. And for me, I just kept going to the same person because I was like, well, I'm in this like, I cannot go through like re explaining everything that happened. Like there's no way. So I'm curious what you would recommend for somebody who is looking for a therapist for the first time and doesn't really know where to start wants to end up in a really like healthy therapy patient relationship, Mm -hmm. but just doesn't know what to do.
0: It's a really good question. We, we is one of our favorite things to talk about because we love getting people into therapy. But
2: and well, a lot of times the first therapist you start with is the first one who answered and the first right. one who took your insurance or was the one you could especially afford. right now. It especially is especially it's very, very hard therapist. to find a therapist. And so the thing is that doesn't mean that person necessarily specializes. Right. The same way there's different kind of lawyers, there's different kinds of therapists. And so what you also want is someone who understands relationship dynamics. We have had people reach out to us from other states like very conservative states and say like I need to find a um all the therapists all the couples therapists near me are pro marriage and anti divorce and I and I need to get out of this marriage and I'm scared to go to them. Wow. And that is really scary to us because we don't believe ending a relationship is a failure for most people for many people it's a high success to get out of somebody that's not working for you there's nothing wrong with that but there can be a stigma of leaving especially when we're talking about a marriage or a long-term relationship or there's kids involved or any of these other things so one is like making sure that this therapist like you understand their values and like what their specialty is so they're able to properly help you and something
0: you can do is you can ask therapists for a free 15-minute phone consultation to mm-hmm. see how you connect Stay with for them see if we're a good fit over the phone and see if you're a good fit. Um, You know, we always talk about how one of the most important predictors of therapeutic success is the relationship that you have with your therapist. And there's some people that you're going to click with and some people you're not going to click with. That's just part of being human and part of relationships. And so we really emphasize the fact that it's so important to feel like you can connect with your therapist. And one way to do that without going in for, you know, an initial session is just to do a quick 15 minute phone consultation, ask them what they spent Specialize in See if you just connect with them over the phone. You can get a good sense of it, even just in that mm-hmm. phone call.
2: And so you could ask a few questions: Is what does a typical session look like for you? Do, um, what do you give out homework? Is there anything re- recommended readings? Anything you do in between sessions? Um, what happens if you disagree with it? Like if you have an opinion, how do you bring your self and your personality into the room? There is, you know, what I mean, if you go to someone who's incredibly religious focused, right. well, then maybe they're not going to be sitting there telling you how to get out of something. And and that is also why sometimes I have to we have to call our our good friend uh, Dr. Jamie um, Zuckerman. Zuckerman right now, who Dr. Z on Instagram, and Dr. Jamie has like a a ninety minute coaching call you can do with her, and she'll tell you how to leave. When there's abuse and there's narcissism, right? So there are people that are doing this, that it's not always just a therapist that can help you get out of these things because it's incredibly complex. And sometimes we really need someone to sit there and co-sign and validate because I doubt myself. When somebody has made me feel crazy, when I have called someone out for cheating and lying and they have gaslit me for months and weeks on end, it is very hard to trust yourself in your decision making. Yep, and to have to have someone who has no skin in the
0: game too, like, is really really important, right? Yep. It's very different than your friends coming to you and saying like, "Hey, I don't think this is the right fit for you," but when you're going to a therapist who is able to say, "No, like these are very clear signs of abuse," right? They are very clear signs of emotional abuse, physical abuse, financial abuse. Um, that it, it's helpful to have someone who's who is not in the situation to be able to reflect that back to you.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and going off of that, sometimes we don't want to tell our friends what's happening because we don't want them to have a like bad view of our partner, mm-hmm. even if they should. <laughs> we don't want that.
2: There's one of my favorite episodes of Sex in the City. Well, talking about a problematic show that still <laughs> I love. Um, uh, there's a really good episode of Sex and the City where like um, her Carrie's friends say, like, you need to go see a therapist. Right. And uh, she's like, but you, why do I need a therapist? I have you guys. And so I don't remember who. Maybe Samantha. And she's like, this is the blind leading the blind. <laughs> like, no way. Right. And, like, that's what things you have to remember is that, like, sometimes we need someone who could clearly see Outside of the situation, it doesn't mean your friends aren't wonderful and supportive and phenomenal, but therapy is different than just talking to someone. That's not what therapy is. Therapy is about uncomplicating some of the thoughts you have, understanding it. It is insight. It is awareness. It is action. And it's not just talking to a friend. These are two different things.
1: So if you end up you have this 15 minute call with a therapist or you go to a few sessions or you're with someone for a while and you decide like, okay, this isn't serving me the way I want. How can you quote unquote break up with your therapist?
2: <laughs> so the most common break technique <laughs> with therapists is ghosting. People we get ghosted.
1: Go- <laughs> really? Really? ghosted all the we time. We don't
2: recommend it doing it because having a conversation, a hard, difficult conversation is part of what therapy is about. Mm-hmm. People ghost it all the time. We understand it's popular in any type of relationship but instead it's popular modality popular. it is a popular modality I, I feel modality.
1: like that's so mean to do to therapists I feel like you that's guys like, are sitting there being like is this person okay like yeah. so yeah. but but the fact of the matter
0: is we if, not if about us if the therapist has done their work we know that that's not about us and we don't take that personally yeah and because it's really important for therapists no matter what right like we could have someone and really want them to do some sort of work or, you know, make sure that they're okay. But in the end, we know as therapists that they need to feel like it's the right fit. And we know that it's not personal if they don't feel like it's the right fit. And so if anyone were to ever come to us and say like, Hey, I like really enjoy this, but I don't think it's the right
2: fit. We would set them up with someone else immediately. Now, Mm -hmm. if you have a therapist who is not respecting your boundaries, who is doing unethical and inappropriate shit, which does happen just like any other professional job there's bad people who do it then ghost them ghost fuck it. Them. it doesn't matter the only thing that matters is your health and safety fuck a conversation right like the only thing that matters is you feeling okay and safe if a therapist ever says like you hurt my feelings get out right, right? oh my you god can, right get out right if a therapist says to you well i think that we should have five more uh sessions to wrap up here or you need to come in. Or texting into, you, or if they're divulging you a in. lot of
0: information about themselves. The therapist
2: should never talk more than you.
0: Right, exactly. If they're telling you a lot about themselves that doesn't relate or it doesn't feel helpful, like there are so many boundary violations that might happen in therapy. And that can also be very triggering, especially if you're going in to talk about. Uh, a relationship in which there were a ton of boundary violations. Mm
1: -hmm. I love one thing I love about you guys is how much you talk about boundaries, because that's something that I feel like people don't naturally actively think about setting. And I feel like you've talked about boundaries in like every possible life situation (laughs) on your show and in your content. So like, I love that. And that's something that I really hope people can go look at and listen to and learn from.
2: (laughs) But if you have a great therapist, but it's not the right fit. You can always send over a really kind email. Thank you so much for the time together. I've decided I'm going to try out another therapist. Um, You know, I'll reach back out if I want to make another appointment. I'm Mm going to see like what works for me. And typically if somebody says something like that to me, I'm going to respond back and say, absolutely. So wonderful to get the opportunity to know you. I wish you the best of luck in your therapeutic journey. Here's three professionals I would also recommend for you because also ethically, your therapist has to give you three referrals. so the therapist has to provide you with three referrals that is in our ethical like guidelines huh
1: that's really cool I like that a lot Yep. wow well I didn't plan to talk about any of that but I'm so glad that we did (laughs) sorry (laughs) so so glad um anywho I have a few (laughs) listener questions here that I want to dive into um and they can be either like first thing that comes to mind or We'll talk about it for a while. Mm -hmm. But um, first one is what are some of the biggest dating struggles you've seen your clients go through?
0: Ghosting. Ghosting. Ghosting's a huge one. And I think the toughest part about dating is like how gamey it is these days, right? That there's so many options at our fingertips. And so I think ghosting happens a lot. I also think because at the beginning of of relationships, there's no kind of contract around it, right? Like that there's no yeah. clear rules or signs about how much do we communicate? What does communication look like, right? And so everything is really lost in translation. And so I think that creating those early dating contracts, um, even just internally and being able to communicate your wants, needs and values early on in the relationship or early on in dating, um, I think is challenging. It's a challenging thing to navigate these days, especially when people are so
2: easy to just go on to the next well i think a lot of people say that right how do i take it from online to in real life Mm -hmm. right and i think that's a big thing one of the things we recommend is like i don't recommend you actually for chatting for 10 gajillion days you need to meet someone in person right 10 gajillion days you'll be dead (laughs) a lot of days yeah it's a lot of days they might not
1: look the same as their profile (laughs) (laughs) picture at that point
2: and same for you right what i would recommend is two to three days actually right Mm -hmm. if i am like actually talking with someone And also like we do it too. Like, are you taking personal radical responsibility for how you're communicating, right? Because you get mad someone's not answering you, but are you talking back to them? Are you also opening up? Are you initiating the date? I think. Exactly. I I don't care what gender you are. Right. Yeah. I think so often
0: we just wait for the other person. But if that's something that you want. Say it. Go for it. Yeah.
2: It is 2022, ladies. Ask for the goddamn date, right? Beautiful. Like this is truly Agreed. like a very big thing, but <laughs> like, let it go. And, and if they ghost you, say nothing, you got all the information you need. Exactly. They, You're dodging they their, There's their actions, right? Exactly. That is it their got out of the way, right? And that tells you everything you need to know. But the biggest thing is how am I taking, especially if it's app-based dating, who am I being? Am I also, it's really easy to point, there's a saying in Al-Anon, we always talk about that. Every time you point a finger, Make sure you're also looking at the three pointing back mm, at you, right? So if wow. I'm going to say other that's people crazy,
1: are, right? <laughs> <That> <laughs> <is sex>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so many.
2: So if I if I'm going to say all this shit and say about all this stuff, these guys don't do, these girls don't do, or whatever they them, then how am I being online Am I also being the person I want to be? And I think that that's something that we all need to be doing more of is taking personal radical responsibility.
0: And we could talk about this forever. For something else. <laughs> um, because I think, I think too, when we feel rejected, it's very quick to blame ourselves and yeah. say, this must be something I did. Let me overanalyze it. Talk to all my friends about what I must have done wrong. When in the end, rejection is not personal to you, right? Yeah. That sometimes you don't click with people. Sometimes people, you know, timing is so important. I know that's very cliche to say, but it's very true. And so I think so often we take rejection very personally, when really it can't be about you.
2: Here's an example. If I say to Jen, that shirt, I hate, I hate your shirt. <laughs> it does not mean. That my shirt is ugly.
0: No. It right. means that Emily specifically doesn't like my shirt. It, it also so, doesn't
1: mean that the shirt looks bad on you. She just No exactly the shirt. And so,
2: and right? so there and might did. be other people who say to me, I love your shirt. Yep. But all she might hear is that one time Emily said it. Now, what she doesn't realize is maybe Emily was bullied by a girl who wore that shirt. Mm -hmm. Maybe Emily doesn't like how she would look in that. Maybe Emily, her body is larger, so she couldn't fit into that shirt, right? So these are all the things. So even though I'm directly saying something about Jen, still has nothing to do with her.
1: I'm laughing to myself because one of my best friends from college, Jamie, has this pair of leggings that i absolutely hate and she knows how much i hate them i tell her every time sometimes she'll be like don't kill me like i'm wearing the leggings tonight. <laughs> <laughs> now i'm in my head like why do i hate these leggings like uh, what? <laughs> what did these leggings ever do to me <laughs> when it's <laughs> from
0: lulu row and she, was it an mlm situation <laughs> right the mlm thing could be a yes. thing but she likes them right the, and it's kind of like and she
1: still wears them she, right. she's taking it like a champ
0: it's like when your friends are attracted to someone, you're like, I would never be attracted to that person. We right. just have different preferences. Yep.
1: And that's a good thing. That's a that's great a good thing for We're your different friendship. people. <laughs> yes. Okay. Next question. Why do people go back to people who hurt and betray us?
2: How many times have we been hurt by our parents? How many times have people in life hurt us? Hurt and betrayal does not necessarily mean I have to cut someone off. If you think you have to cut off every person who's hurt and betray you, you might end up quite lonely. But what... I want to say is people can hurt us, but are they then taking responsibility? And I think this is when it's really easy for us to judge people for staying in relationships that were toxic at one point. The thing is, I don't know, when I started dating my now husband, I was 20 years old and drunk a lot. (laughs) I would not say I was the epitome of a healthy relationship, right? If you know what I mean? If anyone saw me then they'd be like, those two people should not get married and have kids. So Hello. Now it's very different. So I think it's really easy to pass judgment on other people. But I also think, like we said, we can have a loyalty dysfunction and sometimes toxicity feels like home. And so we're going to keep going back home. And I think
0: we sometimes try to heal old wounds in the place that they started. Yeah. Right. That Sometimes we feel like if there's unfinished business here, right? If the relationship wasn't working, that the way in which I'm going to try to heal this is I'm going to go back into this relationship and maybe I'll change things. And if I change something, maybe I can take control of the wound um, and where that wound started. Where sometimes the wound might just keep being reopened if the relationship doesn't change. Sometimes the relationship does change. But the question is do you necessarily have that control? And is that the place to heal your wound? Yeah, I love that.
1: Great answer. Next question. Is withholding affection and silent treatment considered abuse? Is it?
2: So when you define abuse, no, unfortunately, it's normalized. I consider it abusive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, we live in a world that is not only normalized to do that to our partners, but to our children and to our family members. I consider that. Maybe I wouldn't use the word abuse because people might freak out, but I'm going to use cruelty. Mm -hmm. And when we are cruel to people that we love, it fucks up our relationship. And so the silent treatment, not okay. Now, taking a break and saying to someone, hey, I really am overloaded today. I'm reactive. I I (laughs) know you do, baby. I understand. Um, I, I can't talk to you for the next 24 hours. That's not silent treatment, that's a boundary. Mm -hmm. right and you're communicating right
0: like you're communicating how you're feeling you're not just shutting them out you're not just being cold towards them and I mean when we do it to our children that is where love is conditional Mm -hmm. right like you have to act a certain way in order for me to give you love and that is not okay there's a really
2: interesting have you ever heard of the still face experiment I haven't okay so there's a really interesting experiment they do that's also fucked up so I'm gonna use interesting and fucked up up. but it is basically so they have a, a baby and its mother Looking I face. like how all the enactments we're doing. Yes, this. right? So, everybody go, they, they, make sure
1: you're watching this on Skype. This is the, the, the most enactment we've ever here. done.
2: Okay, so that the baby and mother are looking I'm at each baby? other. Yes, yeah, so you're the baby. Okay. And so what they have the mother do is turn around and then turn back completely still faced, no movement. And what you will notice time and time again is baby will do something very specific. They will try to engage mom. She gives nothing. And then they will pull back and watch to see what she does. And then they will go back in and try to be like aggressive or hurt. And then when they're still not met, it's a meltdown. How many of us do that in our romantic relationships? That's what my
1: dog does to me every day. Right.
2: Right. Exactly. And what I do to my dog when I want cuddles and he won't give them to me. Because it's a biological thing of needing other people so the still face experiment you watch this child completely melt like melt the fuck down and that's what happens in romantic relationships i try to pull for you you don't give me anything i pull away from you you still don't give me anything i pull back and try to engage or start a fight or become crazy to poke the bear you don't give me anything and i melt the fuck down and you're not horrible for doing that you're human There's
0: a beautiful statue from, I think it's Burning Man. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Most people describe things of breathing. Uh, no, beautiful. like I swear. <laughs> and 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 um, you know, really sticks in my mind with this that there's two adults that are facing away from each other like they're in a fight. And then within inside of them, there's two children that are like reaching out towards each other. Wow. And if you think about it, when we're in those cold states, like really what we're doing is we're trying to protect ourselves from the pain that we're in, right? Like from some sort of that the anger that comes out really underneath that is more vulnerable emotion that we don't feel like we can express. And so I, I would encourage the person who maybe's turning away um, or being cold to say, well, what's going on underneath that? What need is not being met in my relationship that I can actually turn towards my partner and express to them instead of shutting them out. Yeah. Because really it's an it's an unmet need And the way in which we're trying to protect ourselves is by hurting our partner.
1: Yeah. I'm still caught on the burning man things i feel like i you <laughs> i my oldest brother is a big burning man fan um and i, but oh, I feel like every this. time he comes back from it like he he's just has so many questions about like the world and about how we grew up and starts like looking into our childhood and all this stuff <laughs> so he definitely saw the same statue he definitely absolutely did. absolutely him too. <laughs> All right. last um super quick question what do i do if i find a friend is in a toxic relationship um, her boyfriend manipulates her and doesn't respect her boundaries
2: compassionate curiosity not going to her but asking her how are you doing in this relationship here's this thing i've noticed it makes me worried i love you i care for you Right. If you're at this stage, you now some people write in and say, what do I do if I've already done that? And now I need to set a boundary with her. Right. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about the beginning stage In beginning stage. I want you to encourage and bring someone close. Nobody opens up with tough love and feeling attacked. It just doesn't work on people the way we think that it might. So how are you greeting them with tons of compassion and curiosity? Yeah. I think our our quick response is to try to, is to get
0: angry with them, like right to shake them. If someone's not um, kind of seeing what we're seeing, we're like, well, come on, like why can't you see this? But that pushes them further away, and so you want to make sure that those lines of communication stay open, especially if the relationship is pretty toxic because their partner is going to try to isolate them. So the more that you can stay open to them. Um, And be curious about their experience and keep those lines of communication open, the better.
1: Absolutely. I think that's really smart. And it's a really scary conversation to have. But just, yeah, as much like compassion as you can put into your words and and let them know like you're there for them, you support them, and you love them regardless, I think, Mm -hmm. is the best way to do it. Especially if like maybe they do know and they're in a really vulnerable situation and they're really scared, you know, they want to feel like they can open up to you about that
0: can yeah. I ask you like what would have been the most helpful thing for someone to say to you
1: <sighs> I wish I knew yeah I really I think I was like in so deep I think everyone right? said no. everything and I I just didn't want to hear it yeah yeah
2: And that's the thing is sometimes there's no right thing and people come out on their own and that doesn't mean we failed as a friend or we said the wrong thing, but sometimes there isn't a right thing to say. And we have to be patient.
1: Mm. And you know what? Like, and I, I always tell my friends this and I always talk about this. Like they were there, they were there for me when I like finally came around and, and needed them. Like they did not, even though I pushed them away, like they didn't actually go away. They were just like, they took a step back and they were there for me. And I think that's another thing. Like your friend might not, they might hear you, but they might not. or They might listen, but they might not hear you. And that's okay. Just, yeah, mm-hmm. be patient. Absolutely. Amazing. Well, thank you guys so much. Thank I like you. want to keep you for another five hours. Yeah, I have so yeah. Many- we'll
2: come back anytime. We <laughs> are so episode. happy to
1: spend the time with you. We'll
2: have a second date. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Amazing. Thank you so
1: much for having us. Thank you. Where can everyone find you?
2: uh they can follow us if you want to listen to the podcast on trick tricks anywhere that you listen to your podcast we are also owners of the therapy group if you're interested in finding a wonderful clinician being matched with somebody um you can do that if you live in pennsylvania delaware new jersey new york massachusetts california or or florida those are the states that we have clinicians licensed in um but all we care about is making therapeutic topical topics relatable down to earth clinicians, no psychobabble bullshit. We hope you follow along, but thank you for having us here today.
1: I love it. Thank you.